good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am your host and comedian, Josh Young. And every episode, I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads, and other random, boring ideas. On the ninth day of Christmas, in the Christmas Carol, the twelve days of Christmas, nine ladies dancing are gifted. What better way to celebrate that than to learn how they may dance on stage by reading The Art of Stage Dancing by Ned Wayburn from 1925. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, at night, the more people that sleep, with Josh, the better. You can follow me on social media at Josh Young Comedy. That's J O S H Y A N G Comedy. Now sit back, close your eyes. And imagine a stage filled with the acrobatic movements of nine ladies and let their rhythmic dancing lull you into a pleasant sleep because you'll get tired of this podcast guaranteed. Art of Stage Dancing The Story of a Beautiful and Profitable Profession A Manual 
of Stagecraft by Ned Wayburn Copyright 1925 in New York A Bit of Ancient History Every age has had its ways of dancing. Every people has expressed itself in some form of rhythmic motion. The dance originally was the natural expression of the simple emotions of a primitive people. Triumph, defeat, war, love, hate, desire, propitiation of the gods of nature. All were danced by the hero or the tribe to the rhythm of beaten drums. Over 6,000 years ago, Egypt made use of the dance in its religious ritual. At a very early period, the Hebrews gave dancing a high place in their ceremony of worship. Moses bade the children of Israel dance after the crossing of the Red Sea. David danced before the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible is replete with instances showing the place of the dance in the lives of the people of that time. Greece, in its palmy days, was the greatest dancing nation the world has ever known. Here, it was protected by priesthood and state, practiced by rich and poor, high and lowly born. One of the nine muses was devoted to the fostering of this particular art. Great ballets memorialized great events. Simple rustic dances celebrated the coming of the flowers and the gathering of the crops. Priestesses performed the sacred numbers. Eccentric comedy teams enlivened the streets of Athens. Philosophers taught it to pupils for its salutary effect on body and mind. 
it was employed to give soldiers poise, agility, and health. The dance was undoubtedly among the causes of Greek vigor of mind and body. Physicians prescribed its rhythmic exercise for many ailments. Plato specifies dancing among the necessities for the ideal republic. And Socrates urged it upon his pupils. The beauty of harmonized movements of healthy bodies engendered by dancing had its effect on the art of Greece. Since the days of classic Greece, scenery, music, and costume have created effects then undreamed of, but notwithstanding the lack of incidental factors, the greatness and frequency of municipal ballets, the variety of motives that dancing was made to express, combine to give Greece a rank never surpassed as a dancing nation. The Greek stage of this age was rich in scope, and for its effects drew upon poetry, music, dancing, grouping, and posing. Then came the dark ages of history, and in a degraded world, dancing was saved and taken under the protection of the Christian church, where it remained for the greater part of a thousand years. The vehicle that carried the ballet through this period was known as the, quote, spectacle, unquote. These sacred spectacles in grouping, evolution, decoration, and music possessed qualities that entitled them to a respectable place in the annals of opera ballet. The steps were primitive, but they sufficed for the times. However, the organization of the first real opera ballet, conforming to standards of modern excellence, did not come till the latter part of the 15th century when Cardinal Riario, a nephew of Pope Sixtus IV, composed and staged a number of important ballet productions. 
but the greatest development of the modern type of ballet received its impetus under the reign of Louis XIV of France, who founded the National Ballet Academy at Paris in 1661 and often played prominent parts himself. Under this influence, great performers began to appear, artists whose work, by grace of beauty alone, attested that perfection in ballet technique was approaching. The growth of the ballet since the time of Louis XIV has been the contribution of individual artists who, by giving expression to their own original ideas, have thus advanced the art to the pinnacle attained by the modern Russian ballet of today. The above outline of the history of the dance is made brief intentionally with no attempt to touch upon the various forms of dancing as practiced by the many nations and tribes. Numerous books have been written covering all aspects of this subject and giving in detail the steps and rhythms of the people of every age and of every continent and the isles of the sea and as matters of interest, education, and research, they are competent and complete, and especially edifying to the student of Terpeshore. But the subject that interests us is not concerned with ancient lore, nor with historical data however delightful they may be. I am writing for the American of today about present-day matters in the American theatrical world, and to that end choose to ignore all other phases of the subject. In our day, the development of the dance has reached its greatest heights in both the social circle and the stage picture. The advance made in stage dancing within the last generation has been very pronounced, yet so gradual has been this growth and improvement that only the elders of the present time can visualize its progress, and that only by a backward look to the period of paucity and monotony 
that ruled in their junior years and contrast the dearth of then with the abundance of now. For really, whether in our multitude of reviews or in our many musical shows, the dance, the pose, the rhythm, and the melody that enhance our delight are all parts of the modern art of stage dancing. And it is of this art that the writer seeks to tell the story in the present volume. Both the theater and the dance have had their abundant historians. The dance is ages older than the theater. The time of the coming of the dance to the theater and their fitting union ever after has been recorded. They have advanced together hand in hand through the years since their first meeting and are closer companions at this hour than ever before. Stage dancing is no longer the haphazard stepping of feet to music that it was in the beginning. From its earlier crude efforts, it has developed into a modern art, a profession of the first class, calling for brain and ability at their very best. Its devotees giving years of labor to perfecting themselves in their chosen art. The Ned Weyburn Method of Training. There are five basic types of stage dancing that I teach, covering the modern field in full and supplying the pupil with a complete knowledge of all the steps needed for a successful stage career. These five types consist of musical comedy dancing, tap and step dancing, in brackets, clogging, acrobatic dancing, exhibition dancing, or ballroom, and last, modern, Americanized ballet dancing. The last, named, includes all the best variety of ballet dances, such as toe, classical, character, interpretive, oriental, folk, national, covering Spanish, Russian, Greek, 
Javanese, etc. Instruction is given in any or all of the above to beginners, advanced amateurs, professionals, and teachers, and is preceded in every case by the Ned Wayburn Foundation Technique, which includes my limbering and stretching process, and is one of the most important courses ever devised for the student of dancing, in that it saves years of study. This original technique is described in a succeeding chapter. In addition to the types of dancing mentioned above, we also give instruction in the art of making up for the stage, accompanying the technical instruction. Each class and pupil receives, without cost, the benefit of the valuable stagecraft, managerial, and producer's knowledge that I have acquired during my years of activity in the theatrical world. This is given in occasional lectures or inspirational talks before the class. Students also, when duly fitted, will be informed as to where and how to obtain engagements, correct forms of contract to be entered into, and other valuable business information concerning the practical side of selling their services to the best advantage, saving them much time and possible embarrassment and loss. In all probability, if you love dancing and aspire to make it a career, you possess an innate sense of rhythm. You feel the swing of music and love to move your body to the strains of a lilting melody. The first great possessions of the successful stage dancer are a love of harmonious sounds and a sense of rhythmic motion. If you haven't these, you might better abandon the idea of studying with me as far as any hope is concerned 
of my developing you into a stage artist. While you would find much to enjoy and to benefit your health and appearance in taking my dancing exercises, if you are minus the very first dancing essentials, you could not expect us to advance you beyond your own limitations. Another important qualification for the stage dancer, which if not possessed at its fullest, may be acquired under our instruction, is a sense of direction. This sense of direction is of maximum importance in stage dancing because as you can readily understand since you have your audience in front of you and to your left and to your right you must do your dances so that they will appeal to all sections of your audience and there are certain stage directions which you must know in order to grasp my method of instruction that you may get absolute precision in direction let us proceed as follows imagine that you are standing on a stage in a circle the diameter of your own feet we will call that circle your place. Divide the stage into eight different directions. You are now facing the front. Face the left, the back, the right, and then front again. That makes four directions. Front, left, back, and right. Face halfway to the left. That is called left oblique. Face halfway to the back. That is called left oblique back. Now face back. Face halfway to the right. That is called right oblique back. Now face halfway to the front. That is called right oblique. That makes eight different directions. Very easy to memorize and never forgotten after once learned. And you will employ them in your stage work every day, that they may become familiar 
with the necessary directions. Students are given brief instructions at their first lesson. As I stand before them and take the turns with them and announce the name of each direction as I take it. In making the turn from wall to wall, when you turn left around, you should turn on the right heel, which thus acts as a pivot and keeps you in your place. Like this, left oblique, left, left oblique, back, back, right oblique, back, right, right oblique, and front. In going around to the right, turn on the left heel. Fix these directions firmly in your mind. You will need them when you get into stage dancing. The eight different directions are in eight counts. The first direction to the left is left oblique. That is counted one. Left is two. Left oblique back. Three. Back is four. Right oblique back. Five. Right is six. Right oblique seven. And front is eight. All of our steps are taught in counts of eight. We begin to count from one and go as far as eight, then repeat. We count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or we count one and, two and, three and, four and, five and, six and, seven and, eight and, as may be required. After the steps have been taught by counts and learned properly, through much patient practice, they are fitted to music without turning the rest of the body. Turn the head sharply to the left wall so that your face is square to the wall. You are now looking left. Look front. Look to your right. Square around. Look front. Look left. 
oblique, front, right, oblique, front. Now look down, now look up. I'm on a horse. Old Spice, shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, I was a reference to the Old Spice Man commercials. I digress. Now, throw the head back and look up without straining the muscles of the neck. Hold the head at an angle of about 45 degrees. Your head should not be tilted to one side, but straight back. Now look front again. There is a difference between turning it to the left or right and inclining to left or right. Incline your head to the left shoulder. Hold your face up a little and keep it square to the front. Chin high. Now incline your head to the right shoulder. Now turn it to the left, around as far as you can. Turn it front. Turn it to the right. Turn it front. Throw it back. Look up. Now front. Drop down. And now front. And that was some of the initial excerpts from The Art of Stage Dancing by Ned Wayburn, published in 1925. Congratulations, you've just learned how to dance. Well, you've learned how to count and look in eight directions. So you're pretty much there. But also, congratulations, you've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake, trying to look in eight directions, and enjoyed your experience, please don't forget to follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice. And tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Thank you. And good night.